Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the True Blue Podcast where we discuss everything Chester FC related from the past seven days. It's our first podcast of 2018, I almost 2017 then, um, 2018 um, and we've actually had a, a fairly positive start if we forget the FA Trophy defeat at the weekend. It's been a fairly positive start to the new year. Uh, one league win, two league draws has given us a punch of chance of uh, National League survival I suppose. But joining me today is uh, sports reporter at the Chronicle, Paul Wheelock. Uh, and also club historian Chaz Sumner, as well as myself, Dave Powell. Um, we're going to discuss the past, well, probably, we'll discuss the weekend game against East Thurrock um, and also what is to come. But the most poignant place to start at the moment, I think, is um, the sad passing of Cyril Regis um, earlier on this week. Uh, a real trailblazer in the game whose influence transcended just what went on in the pitch. He was, uh, he was a real icon of. English football and his passing will leaves a big void in the game I think um, and of course his link to Chester is the fact that he had a very successful season with us in 1995-96 um, and even though it was just the one season it very much felt like he he left an indelible mark on the football club and that certainly shone through in the tributes that have been paid to him um, from fans this week um, let's come to you first Chaz I mean you're, you're someone who's been watching Chester for, for many a year. Um, where does Sil Regis rank for you in terms of uh, those who've led the line for the Blues? I think, w- with regard to name, I think he's, he's got to be one of the greatest ones. You know, a former England international. And the thrill of us signing him, I was down at um, Coldicott Town seeing a pre season friendly, and he was sat on the bench watching. And, and the handful of us that were watching it, you know, the thought that he might sign for Chester, I mean, it was such a, such a thrill. And, um, you know, when he came on, it, it was great. I mean, he made such a, a difference. To the club. He was just, you know, he was just terrible strength, and he was he was a complete gentleman, as well. That you know, the goals he scored, <laughs> and I mean, he wasn't as fit. Well, he, he was fit, but you know, he lost a bit of his pace, hadn't he? Yeah. Um, but but that didn't make any difference. He knew where to be in the right place, and you know, you'd see him alongside Stuart Rimmer. That was that was tremendous. And I suppose, I mean, then was the days before social media and rumor and. Yeah. Um, was that the first anyone knew about it, just seeing Cyril Regis crop up on the substitutes bench? I think, well, he wasn't even on the substitutes bench, he was just, um, he was just watching. He'd just come along to watch, so I think he'd, um, he'd come along. You know, Kevin Ratcliffe had obviously invited him along, yeah. um, and he was watching it, and you know, a couple of us sort of asked, you know, are you signing him? And he was um, you know, a bit reticent about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, fat, you know, it was, it was a good, good job that Kevin Ratcliffe did. You know, he was at the end of his career, but he was, he was um, ideal for, for Chester at the time, and it, and it was a privilege to see to see him play. I mean, he didn't. Uh, he rarely completed a, a match. Be, you know, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. But he but he didn't need to. He probably had his own champagne shop. The number of man of the match awards. <laughs> he, he won. <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Was it? It was yeah. just every every week. It, you know, he, he was great. Um, but in in terms of the, the wider aspect of what he's done, he, he's made a huge impact on the game of football as a whole, hasn't he, Paul? Oh, without question, it was like uh, I never had the ple- pleasure of watching him for Chester, but I, I can make, I can obviously remember him growing up with Coventry, and it, what really hit me this week was not only from the Chester fans, it, it showed how well respected and well loved he was here. It came straight across the game, not only from the black players like Andy Cole, who he inspired, obviously. There was real warmth, weren't there, to the, to the tributes. Mm. You know, when, when people pass away now, you, 
talk about social media nowadays, it is quick to pay tribute to someone. It can almost be throwaway, can't it? RIP someone. And, but this there was real genuine warmth, I think, with, with Cyril Regis. And yeah, there's no question what he, what he had to go through in, in the 80s, 70s and 80s and to actually come through it stronger and probably trail trailblazer almost, isn't it, kind of thing for, yeah, for, the, people who, for the people who follow. But no, what, what really shot me... I never not shot me as much because I know whenever he came back to the diva, he was really well well received. Because I know he came back as an agent sometimes in his, in his later career. Was just how you know the, the warm words that like you wrote Dave and you wrote Chaz to him and other people on social media saying he's one of the best players ever to play for the club and that's in a single season. So I I didn't see it, but it shows how obviously special he was. Which my I mean when I was. Growing up, I, mean, I, I wrote myself this week about when I started watching the team '93. So, so my dad takes me, um, and it's a successful season. So you know, it's quite easy to keep on going because my dad kept on going back week after week, of course, because of winning games of football and a real you know, feel good factor about the place. Um, the '94-'95 season was, even though we were playing at the you know Division Two um, as it was then, it was a season which was filled with misery on the pitch, wasn't it? But it was. It, yeah. We're out of our depth, yeah. really, weren't we? Given yeah, yeah. given the fact we'd not strengthened the previous summer, we'd lost yeah. Graham Barrow. Um, the players weren't up to the level that they were playing. That I mean, that was just the way it was. But the following season, ninety five, ninety six, was probably my happiest watching chess. I just I just enjoyed mm-hmm. everything about it. Whether it was because I was fairly new to the game and this whole kind of love affair with the football club was quite new, um, you start to find a bit of an identity. And I used to love the fact that. I didn't support United or Everton or Liverpool and it was all a bit different the fact that I supported Chester but Cyril Reid was an absolute hero to me you know because he was um, he was just a colossus up front he would win every header and he just used to dominate people who were 15, 20 years his junior some of them um, but and it just stuck in my mind I just vividly remember it a bit certainly the the actual picture I think Dale Miles took one of the pictures where it's Cyril Reid just towering to beat Gary Mabbott to a header you know and this is in, that, in the League Cup game against Tottenham Hotspur but all the stories that you'd heard about them all kind of round true I mean Kevin Ratcliffe um, was quick to pay tribute to him this week when I spoke to him um, saying what a charming gentle giant he was and also Eddie Bishop um, mentioned a story about when they went away to um, to Tottenham in the League Cup and he'd had a fitness test the morning of the game and he'd He'd not passed the fitness test, but he in his in himself he said, "Oh, I'm fit enough again. If I did it, I could go to the manager." I suppose it's a bit different than he go to the manager and say, "I'm fit enough. I can play." It's up to the manager, I suppose, to make that decision. But he said, oh, "I'm fit enough to play." But and Eddie Bishop was saying, "All oh, players were were trying to say, yeah, yeah, you should play. You know, go and tell go and tell the gaffer you're fit." Um, and he was walking around White Hart Lane. They just just had a new stand built then, and it was one of those. He's been being rebuilt completely now, but. Um, and he was walking around saying, well, I'd love to play here. What a fantastic, you know, what a fantastic stadium, fantastic setup. It'll be a magical night. But he thought long and hard about it. And then he, um, he, he Eddie Bishop said, he just turned around to the group and said, oh, I've had my time in, in the game. It's um, young John, John Murphy should play this evening. And he did. And I think he was only 18, 19 at the time. I mean, we got beaten 4 4 1 there, Charles? 3 1 at Tottenham. Yeah, 4 0 at Tottenham. 4 0 at Tottenham, yeah. But John Murphy went on to have a fantastic career in the game. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, that would have, that game would have meant a lot to him. And it's still a reason to say, you know, yeah. he's played for England, he's played in front of big crowds. Yeah. But it yeah. doesn't mean they don't want to do that until the very last. That no. could have been his last chance to play in front of a real, you know, big crowd. But he gave it up just for, yeah. for someone else to have a go. It's probably yeah. 
the mark of the man, really. But um, yeah. I think um, you, you know that some of the football we played in that first half of the season um, was terrific, and we were at the top of the table. Yeah. At the, yeah. the, the end of the year, we were top of the table with Cyril in the team. And I remember, you know, we played Lincoln City that season, we beat them five-one, and um, the, the, it was the last goal that was scored by John Murphy, and it still remains one of the best goals. Uh, if you ever if you ever see it, the, the one-touch football, it was just a series of one-touch. One touches, and um, it was a fantastic goal. Well, there you go. I think someone shared that on yeah, social media yeah, not long yeah. ago. Um, it, it's not one that would normally be picked out because it's not one of your, you know, your thirty or. It was, it was a phase of involving about six or seven yeah, players, yeah, one yeah, touch passes, yeah, and yeah. It's, it ends on yeah, yeah. six yard box. Murphy yeah, yeah. tapping over it. Yeah, but it was all, you know, it was all, um, you know, Cyril's influence in that team was. Just yeah, awesome. yeah. But you know, we said he was a he was a gentleman. One of the things that um, a few years after, it was about two thousand and two, I was asked to. Contribute to a, to a book about him as a picture book and um, you know reminiscences from various mm. various people, and um, I wrote a piece, and um, I, I didn't get a copy of the book at all. But Cyril came for a game um, about a season later, and I had a chat with him, and told him about it. And you know, it was just it, he was just so nice about it. He took my address, sent me a copy, wrote a lovely message to me in the front of it. You know, I just think so much of the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's touches which you don't, you know, you don't see all that, do you? Really, it's, yeah. it's um, yeah, he's a, a real, real sad loss to the game. It's sad loss to the, to, to the football club as well. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they will. I very much hope they pay a fitting tribute to him at the weekend. And um, I, I think we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Paul? I mean, it's we, we do minute silence and tributes for for for. The sporting heroes who've passed a lot, don't we? But um, I suppose it'll carry extra resonance on Saturday because it is someone who's played for chess, but also yeah. someone who had such an impact. Because well, I mean, we we now have we have a black manager, we have several black players. You know, and Cyril Regis was played at the time. To, he was a trailblazer for all this. You know, he played what he had to go through. Kind of mm. it almost means so many more people have not to go through the the vile kind of abuse that he used to suffer you know so yeah. it's something to be celebrating it's just it's wonderful that he's part of our our history of our football club as well um and he always will be so yeah it's a, a really sad loss but he will uh, his his um his effect and his his mark on the game will never be forgotten um but yeah, moving on um we'll better get back to matters on the pitch um the trophy loss, Chaz. I know you were there. We discussed that my uh, myself, my, my laptop, and uh, Charlie from the leaders' laptop also were uh, wiped out. But yeah, it was uh, a thoroughly miserable, miserable weekend all around. Um, the, the extra seven thousand pound would have been most welcome, and it would have maybe helped. From what Marcus Bingham was saying after Saturday's game, might help to strengthen the side a bit. But in terms of momentum, do you think that'll knock him up the stride a bit, or do you think it'd be quite easy for him to draw a line under that? I'm not so sure it will be that easy. I mean, it is one step forward, two steps back. Mm. Yeah. You know, the previous three games, they'd done well and there was there was progress. But um, I have to say, credit to East Thurrock. You know, they they look quite good. And I can I can see them doing quite well in the competition. You know, yeah. they had beaten Aldershot. You know, four four nil in the previous yeah. round. So you know, so they're no mugs. And, and the reality is, they're actually only about. 10 or 12 places yeah. below us yeah. but um, yeah, yeah th- th- they had the fight in them that we didn't have you know that was my, my impression they thoroughly deserve the victory you can't argue with that but um, yeah it will be difficult for them to, to come back from that it, it was just a shame that you, you genuinely thought we'd turn the corner yeah yeah and we were saying wouldn't we Paul it's um it would have been good to have that momentum because you, you want to keep winning football match or at least getting results don't you so now they go into 
this crucial period of games, Gates said Hartlepool Maidenhead, on the back of a defeat to a side of the league below them, mid-table, yeah. um, in the trophy, in a game they really wanted to win. So, I mean, do you think it'd be easy for him to bounce back from that? I, I'm with Chaz, I don't think so, because momentum and confidence in football is such a precious commodity. But the only, f- I almost try and take a rational, more rational point of view, it's clear that they didn't play well enough on the day and they were beaten by the better side. But a team that is in the bottom four of any division will probably lose a game every two or three games because that's why they're there in the first place. Mm. And I know there was, again, quite a strong reaction after the game from those who were there and some, some who weren't there. And it felt like we were back to Halifax and Geisley reaction again. I don't think it should be forgotten that the previous three games there had been a significant improvement. The proof will be in the pudding on Saturday and, and Tuesday after that. But... Yeah, it's a blow financially and just for fans' spirits, really, because we've said it many times on this podcast, haven't we? A, a cup or a trophy run is long overdue yeah. for this football club. But at the end of the day, the league is the most important thing. And I, I still think they will suffer defeats every show of every show of a game. But if they can keep on, if they can come out of these next two without defeats, maybe four points, it's probably worth it. Mm. You know, I know it sounds horrible that but the bigger picture is survival. In that yeah, game. most definitely. I mean, that was the overriding thing after the game. But, I, I mean, I've, I've written stuff this year that has questioned the um, the heart and passion and fight, but I don't necessarily think that was a problem on Saturday. I just thought, physically, yeah, they were dominated um, yeah. in the key areas of the park. Um, so there was no physical presence in the centre of midfield. Meanwhile, their midfield was, you know, yeah. big lads who were... Yeah really keen on the ball but they were keen as mustard for that game as well historic. Yeah. I, I do I do agree with you on that yeah. I think the, the defeats against it was different from the defeats at Galaxy it wasn't Kidderminster it wasn't you know no, no, of, no. of that ilk it yeah, was I think sometimes in football matches you, you can the other team can be up for it more but it yes. doesn't mean you're not fighting or not yeah, giving yeah. it your all if, but if another team is we are up for this today they were bad yeah. but it was it, a case of um, it just it, they were out-muscled and out, out, yeah. outworked in the, in the key areas of the pitch yeah, and physically right. dominated. And on a pitch yeah. like that against a team like that, yeah. if you give up, you know, if you give yeah. up the uh, the power and relinquish control, which we did with that early goal, it's very difficult it's to get to back in. I mean, you know, we could have yeah. we could have snatched a, a, a goal, you know, Chances, especially at the end yeah. when Craig Mon came on. And if um, you know, obviously if Gary Roberts had, uh, had stayed on the pitch, um, you know, a bit longer. I mean, he just did that that one pass mm. that he did it's ridiculous it, wasn't it it was just fantastic and th- th- that sort of gives you hope yeah really. I mean there is no one on the pitch I'm convinced that could have seen that pass um, but I, what was telling was the fact that I know we talked about environment and, and players being short on confidence it's quite telling the fact he comes into that team having not experienced any of that none of that's his baggage nothing to do with that he comes in and first thing he wants the ball all the time he goes and yeah on the edge of his own area, searching for the ball, looks for it, picks up, looks, picks up a 40-yard pass which splits the defence and sets Ross Hanna through. You know, Ross Hanna 18 months, two years ago, buries that. It, it, no it was similar to the chance um, he had, when was it, was it? Uh, was it, it was filed? Filed, he goes around the key, yeah, well, he, he comes got, back out to one. I, mean, I, I think this yeah. was harder than the, the, the filed one, was, you know, the nature of the way it came to him the, and the goalkeeper was... Uh, he had to lift was, it. Was yeah. fast, he was had, he had to down. lift it quite high. It got down, yeah, so, so it wasn't easy, but it was a fantastic, a fantastic goal. But and speaking if, of, if he can play like that, you know, oh, he's got it in his locker, hasn't he, Paul? You know, his he, he, troubles in his back and his past is well known. He's only so many times you can make reference to that. But 
I don't think his sending off was people were saying well it kind of summed up what it was about he went for the ball on Saturday it was on, in, that, yeah. in that period of the game when it was getting quite heated I mean they were chasing to kill off the game we were chasing to get back into it wants to make an impression uh, Marcus Bigley today said most fans would have seen that and applauded that as a full-blooded challenge Aye, that's right. 10 years yeah. ago yeah. that's nothing yeah. you know that's, yeah. that's about getting a yellow card but yeah. now I suppose within the guidelines that, but I looked at it again I'm not convinced no, I think um, it wins. strong I think it wins challenge but it's one of those it, it, every time you make it easy for a referee to send you off that they will you know it, yeah. it looked because it was so committed um, and obviously the lad makes a, makes a big deal out of it but that's the way it is I mean it, yeah. it was similar almost to that, uh, the bub challenge on Turnbull or Ebbsfleet where the players immediately yes, I know what you mean. immediately yeah. got in the referee's yeah. face yeah. and it worked in our favour was chasing a loose ball thinks he can win it because Roberts thinks he can win that no problem at all mm. you see he goes he eyes on the ball and he wins the ball as well yeah. but um, the ref deemed him to go in too hard over the top of the ball so mm. red card but mm. um, obviously as our stats man um, for everything Chester related Chaz I mean where does that rank I mean because nine minutes into a Chester debut that's got to be up there yeah pretty quick uh, yeah I mean it's one of those things that uh, you know over the over the years it's hard to tell but uh, you know a couple that came to mind we did discussing it afterwards and um, of course there was Shaq, Shaq McDonald he was only of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. he lasted about um, 30 minutes he came on as a, as a sub didn't he he lasted about yeah, half an hour yeah. I think um, then we had John Keister against Darlington that's under in 2000, he made his debut. I can't remember if he was on, on loan or he signed from Walsall, but um, he uh, yeah he got sent off just before half time. But if he Gary Roberts, if, <laughs> but, but if Gary Roberts wants to take hope, then Anthony Sarsovich got sent off on his debut. So uh, at Lan- against Lancaster, he did. Yeah. Oh, so of course, right, only, yeah. only yeah. a couple of minutes from the end of the game. Um, so if he wants to. Uh, you know, We've got look, previous form for it, though, don't we? I mean, we have, yeah. yeah <laughs> David yeah. C and Red. So. Yeah. yeah. Ricky, Ricky Ravenhills, was that his debut against Rex? Or did he play previously that because he was I can't, the derby? Yeah, I can't I, I, I can't I remember if it, was, if it was his first or his last. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it was, it's one I'm not... Uh, it wasn't the, the spell that would go down in the annals of... No, but I think that was later on in the game, was, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, yeah, 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 possibly, yeah. but... Yeah. I mean, Keister went on to be uh, play a key role in almost good. helping us stay up. He was good, yeah, a great yeah. player, so it's, all imp- it's all important players. Yeah, so yeah, you can <laughs> take heart from that. Maybe he's going to kick on and really, uh, really turn this season around. I hope so because I think you know, I think you demonstrated in that short period on that. Yeah, I think more than anything at a time like this, you need somebody from Blaken in your team. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it boils down to. He, he knows, you know, he's going to know what he feels. He's probably feels up the. The feeling around the city because we don't have too that, many lads who right. live in, in the city walls. That's I mean, right. So you know, I, I was thinking that you know the sort of player you need at a time like this. He is the sort of man. You know, he's you know he's obviously got a you know good a good background. You know, just up on the football side yeah. side of it with his um, you know good reputation. But to have someone who's, who's on your own. local yeah. who knows it, yeah. then that that's what you need. It I, it's going to matter to him. Yeah, yeah. it's going to matter to his family and friends as well. That's right. Definitely, yeah. and yeah. it's um, yeah. you know we we do have we have young lads in the team. I Tom Crawford and Blake and Matty Waters, Crystalton. So it's I don't know. Matty's going to come back from his loan spell. I know he's extended it again because they'd like him there at Sutton Coldfield. But um, um, but yeah, you know, it, I suppose at times like this, you do having local lads in the team does help. I mean, fans do relate to that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly, you know, it's, I mean, certainly when times are struggle, I mean, you, you're looking for a hero, don't you? A hometown hero, what better, what better than that? But um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, 
In terms of, uh, oh, we posed a question this week on the Facebook page about um, giving finances a tie to at Chester. I mean, I don't, I don't, don't suppose it's not like um, the January when we had Ian Atkins where we were signing about three or four players a week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're limited in what we can do this this season, but we had a, we had a look and asked the question, if, uh, if you could have any player in his prime from Chester past, um, in his prime, obviously. Um, if the DeLorean was fired up and you're able to travel back in time, bring a player. We had, we had goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, striker. Um, I kicked it off saying, for me, current situation, relegation battle, I would have Ronnie Sinclair, Colin Greenall, um, Alex Smith, that bit of quality on the ball. Interesting one. Yeah, uh, Daryl Clare. Um, so I thought we, we had a really good response for it. The, the most popular choice goalkeepers um, is it Grenville it was yeah Grenville yeah. came out on top Trevor Stoughton in defence um, unsurprisingly Graham Barrow was the midfield yeah. uh, midfield maestro but Milton Graham was a very close second yeah I was just saying Milton Graham's got that you know that had that, always had that bit of class I thought that was a, you know that's a good call and you know you had somebody like John Kelly alongside him with the they worked well well together I mean Stuart in you know, Stuart in his first in his first spell before the injury. Uh, you know, I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. He was in the, those uh, days. He was, he was great. Far and away choice for the strikers. One on one, you know, he was unstoppable. But um, but the end, we were talking about Cyril. You know, Cyril. Cyril. <laughs> we need the target man, man on that. Just, can't pick him any better he, target man. Yeah, he's just the sort that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that you need really. Who um, would you pick, Chad? I'm, I'm intrigued. When we talk, when we were actually posing this question, I was intrigued about. Who Charles Sumner would pick because um, <laughs> because your knowledge is so so deep, and I thought you'd be thinking long and hard yeah, about this. I've done this on you, yeah, yeah. I've put this right in your lap. Charles is someone who likes to have more, more, more time to think about these things. Yeah, I, I mean it is a tricky one. I think you, you know the goalkeeper one's always a always tricky. Thing. I mean you mentioned Mike Mike Stahl and I saw him in that that period. You know we have had one or two goalkeepers. We, we you tend to get these goalkeepers when they're young. And yeah, then they go yeah. on to great things because we had John Ruddy, yeah, as well. Course, yeah, yeah. So you know, if, if you had somebody like that, once he'd moved on to, uh, yeah. you know, in his time, yeah, we had a couple of fairly young. They didn't. Yeah. Stella career afterwards. He had good. No, I mean, I think that's yeah, a bit harsh. But I think what you find with goalkeepers is always good at certain certain aspects of the yeah, game. Yeah, what yeah. you need is an amalgam of, of a whole series of goalkeepers. And then we don't get them at our level. You need, you, yeah, you need, you know, Grendel's agility. You know and stuff like that, but defence-wise, I think I go along with um, Trevor Stoughton probably, but I'd also um, Andy Holden, and who was always a great favourite of mine, purely for his for his courage and his battling qualities. Yeah. You know, he was somebody you could really rally around, yeah. and um, and he, and he'd also grab the the goals for you as well. So was he was somebody who figured quite prominently yeah. Um, yeah. in the reckoning. Um, yeah. Midfield-wise, uh, obviously Graham Barrow gets a shout for his bite yeah, and everything, uh, doesn't it? I picked Alex Smith because yeah. it's impossible for me to base um, an opinion on players where I haven't seen yeah. play, so I always try and think of players yeah. in my 25, whatever yeah. it is, years of watching Chester, what I thought. Yeah. In terms of class on the ball, I thought Alex Smith he was, yeah, was, know, was a real yeah. cut above in his brief spells yeah. with his two spells. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But again, said, um, you know, Milton would be one, I think. Um, and again, it was sort of a... T- Probably going forward, you know, the likes of David Pugh, yeah, yeah, who, who yeah. was, um, you know, left left sided, 
and he was played out of position a lot of time under under Harry. It was, it was only when sort of Graham got hold of him, he played in his in his true position. Then in, in midfield again, you know, again, Roger Priest was another one. He, you know, he was a really strong midfielder. I mean, yeah. again, he was played out of position at fullback for years, but once he went into midfield that that season, was, he was he was tremendous until he got the you know. The injury. Um, Stuart Hicks featured uh, quite a few times as well because I thought he, yeah. he kind of epitomised that great escape thing, though, didn't he? Yeah, more than yeah, I think, yeah, because yeah. he he really lived up to. I remember that game yeah. against Mansfield when he was there, yeah. imitating. Yeah. He had the cognac glass in his hand yeah. and he was smoking a cigar when we were fired yeah. up. I mean, people loved yeah. all that, didn't they? So yeah, was, I, I think so. It was a sort of, I mean, I think he, he played about thirteen games for us, but um, you know, he was a good, he was a good solid, yeah, solid centre yeah. half. He, he really kind of he, he was he epitomised what that whole. Period of time was about that whole mm. great escape mm. bid and everything. But in terms of you, Paul, it's a bit harsh for me to ask you for put pluck players from Chester's past. But in your time covering the Blues, which is when 2008 to yeah, I probably when I moved to Chester in 2004, so I probably watched some good teams under Bobby Williamson and, and Keith Curl. But then it rapidly went down, and then I started covering them in the final seasons in League Two. Probably from those teams, again, he wouldn't make an all-time great team, but you, I've always thought Ryan Lowe, certainly in that last season, I don't yeah. think he'd make yeah. it an all-time, but he did really well. But you'd, up front, you'd, you'd have to go, if you're talking Chester FC, you can't go past Wildy, can you? But one person who, reading about Silver Regis this week, would obviously was nowhere near the level, but a player who came in in a short space of time and did really well for the club and, and made a bit of an impression was Matty McNeil. You know, of all yeah, yeah, enough. Actually, when you said that, when you're saying that about a target man, yeah, maybe yeah, because yeah. I remember when he was brought in and people yeah. were looking at him and thinking, oh "God, why have we signed this? Why have we got rid of? Why is Wild? We got Wildy. We don't yeah. need this guy." Yeah. And certainly in that second yeah. season, if yeah. I remember rightly, it was the third. I can't. Yeah. It was the it was the second. The real wasn't presence. It, it was brilliant. Yeah, that's right. But it's always a bit tricky when the sort of you know, like the Regis and McDill, the older forwards. You never quite know what you're going to get from them. You know, we've signed the older forwards in the past and. You know they've not always um, they've not always worked out. He played to his strengths, didn't we? With Neil very much. Right. So he had, yeah, he had, yeah. An, he had yeah. an able strike partner yeah. as well. So it's um, yeah, yeah. And I think you know the other one you mentioned was was Daryl Clare yeah. as well. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, at this level, like, he was just he was deadly in those couple of seasons. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. he was absolutely deadly. Yeah. I remember yeah. as soon as we signed him, I remember debut against Yeovil. Um, home game against Yeovil, I think it was after we signed yes, Boston. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he scored a brace. Yeah, I think he. Um, yeah. And he could immediately see he was, you know, we start, you know, we see new players come and go all the time, but he was someone who arrived who actually made huge impact straight away. Um, yeah, and it was at a critical time as well. I mean, we missed out on promotion that season, um, didn't we? So sure that. we did. Yeah. Yeah, with um, yeah, it was two thousand two oh three. I think he, he joined in the uh, yeah, yeah, and then obviously yeah. he went on to forge that. Partnership was stamped the following season, but yeah, we could do with a few, um, <clears throat> a few, few goals uh, from the likes of uh, Claire and Stamp. How we'd need them and how we'd like them this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but touching back on matters on the pitch in the present day, huge game against Gateshead this weekend, um, and you kind of feel this next ten days is going to be pivotal to what what happens at the end of the season and what league we're going to be in next season because we've got. Gateshead Saturday, a team who should be looking over the shoulder and at real risk of getting dragged into a, a battle. Um, Hartlepool, likewise, I mean, they're going through absolute turmoil off the pitch. Uh, Maidenhead looks secure where they are, but it's a case of they're very patchy form and side we've already beaten this season as well. Um, they've been very up and down after a good start, after they lost Dave Tarpey. Mm. So, really, the three games that 
you, you could be, you know, you look to win every game here. I mean, yeah. before we go into a period of games where we've got Dagenham and Dover, and it starts to get really tough again. So, this, I don't know about you, for you, Paul, but this this next ten days for me is defining for the season. Yeah, it, it definitely feels. You did a piece, didn't you, on online yesterday about the permutations, and if it goes very well. It looks really rosy because then you start not only worrying, uh, bringing in Gateshead and Hartlepool, you're bringing in the Wokens of this world, aren't yeah. you? They're on a bad slide at the moment. It's it just as I was saying earlier, you're gonna have ups and downs when you're a team near the bottom, but it does feel like a home win is needed, doesn't it? It mm. really does, and I think I, I think. Hartlepool will probably be the easier game because that next week they've got some really bigger issues on the mind. I think I think the players are going to be paid from what I've heard today, but two days after the the game at Chester, I think they've got a tax bill to pay and they've got to find two hundred grand. So I, I think that will be the one. I think Saturday's the key one for me. I don't think Gateshead are probably as bad as the team as people are making out. They haven't won in the league for a while, but they've drawn quite a lot of games. They had a really good win in the. It, Winning the week, lots of as well. Yeah, which, which is a blow, yeah, isn't it? Got it looks, the like, looks like it could be a real, um, a real problem for him. He looks like he's going to put well. But if, yeah, I did, but Marcus Bignett, quite a lot has talked about this environment at home, hasn't he? And he's talked about it a lot since he's come in. And I do understand to a certain extent where he's coming from, but it's a vicious circle, isn't it? If you've not seen the team win at home, it's hard, you're less likely to go there positive. But yeah, I just think. The fans have got a try on Saturday, even though they've been served up tripe for a lot the last yeah. year. And they've just got to try and get this win on Saturday. The fans, to help the play. And the players have got to respond. They've got to play better than they did at East Furrock. Get three on Saturday. Yeah, I think Hartlepool will be there for the taking because that, that is a club in crisis at the moment. I think it'd be key to us to start well because every team that comes to Chester now, I think, well, I mean, Bing that touched on it today yeah. about keeping quiet for the first 20 minutes, half an hour, and then the fans will start to get on the back. And then it starts to become difficult for him so it seemed to suggest that they were going to go at it hammer and tongs from, from the off I mean the, it, even we've had wins during the past 12 months at home which has very few admittedly um, Maiden Edwards was a good one fairly good performance that from Mike Biggs first very game good performance, yeah. but uh, there hasn't been much else in terms of, it, it really feels like it needs a performance and a real result doesn't it this week well I think I think the yeah, the Gateshead game is the is the key one because I think if you win that one, you've got something then to go into the into the Hardypool game. But I think you know one of the concerns was that I think last time I was here we were talking about the the Christmas run off yeah. with, yeah. with the five games we had then, yeah. Yeah. and I said we needed to get double points, double, you know, double figures from from those five games. Now the Hardypool game was, you know, obviously off, but four four points in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we can't keep on going having the most important game of the season. No, <laughs> every, no, every week. No. Yeah, no. you know this. This you, you do feel that um, that the next two games are crucial. A bad set of results could see us almost mm. double figures behind the rest. The rest over the next yeah. ten days. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But as ever, we'll be um, we'll be live at the Swansea Chester Stadium on Saturday to cover it all. Fingers crossed it'll be the start of. Um, a wonderful run which sees us pull ourselves well clear of the uh, the drop zone and we're all celebrating long before the end of the uh, the season but we can we can but hope but thanks very much to Paul and Chaz for joining me this week uh, we'll hopefully be back next week with another edition but thank you very much <laughs>